Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here. I'm the host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. And we have, I think, what's going to prove to be a very, very important show. Let me ask you a question. Do any of you out there get regular treatments for anything? You know, I get two sets of shots twice a month at uh, Banner Care. I get very professional treatment. I love the people there. They are professional. They care about their patients. They're always, always, always accurate in what they do. I've never had a complaint. And I've asked them, I said, so when your mandates come in, and you guys aren't employed, like 40 to 50% of you won't be. Has there been any discussion about continuity of treatment for patients? None. Crickets chirping. This is an important issue for entire the entire country. A lot of your nurses are being fired. A lot of your doctors are being fired because they won't adhere to the unconstitutional illegal mandates to get a vaccine. The vaccine that more and more bad stuff is coming out daily on this. And we have a nurse from Prescott, Arizona, Kelly Collinsworth, and she is uh, she was brought to me by Mona Patton, and you've heard Mona on our show talking about some of the uh, nefarious politics in Yavapai County. And I think what we're going to find here is the story that uh, Kelly is going to tell is typical of what's going on around the country. And listen to me, if you or your family members or loved ones um, have health concerns that you need treatment for, you better listen carefully because you're about ready to experience a lot of shortages. Kelly, welcome to the show, and I want to say I appreciate your courage because you're still employed, and uh, they're not going to be happy with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that might be true. Yeah, I just... So, anyway, you are employed as what kind of nurse? Can you? Let's just start from the beginning. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I currently work um, in the imaging department, uh, mostly doing um, outpatient procedures. We have patients that come in. But we also treat patients that come into the ER as well as um, there are patients on the floor that need different procedures done. Um, and so I'm, I kind of go and work with the radiologist in the hospital okay. to um, assist in those procedures. Yep. So x-rays, CT scans, those kinds of things. Yeah, um, oftentimes, like, if someone has some fluid on their lungs or if they have some liver issues and they have um, what's called ascites, which is fluid on their belly, and their body's not able to handle what's going on, we'll drain that fluid off for comfort comfort, and, ther you know, for therapeutic effects. We also do um, uh, biopsies and things like that under um, any kind of imaging. So ultrasound, CT, um, those are the main areas where we're at some MRI stuff, too. Well, this is critical stuff. Someone comes in yeah. and they got a tumor, a growth, they they need to know pretty quickly if it's malignant or not, don't they? Right. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I just, so the reason I asked that question, uh, uh, you know, a softball for a nurse, but it's an important question because like me, I'm worried about anyone who needs treatment and these shortages that are going to come about. So anyway, you are in some, uh, a, a standoff against your employer um, a hospital in Yavapai County, and you are in the standoff because you won't get the vaccine. That's correct. Okay. Yep. So let me ask you a question. Have you had COVID? Um, I did. I did have COVID in uh, the end of July, beginning of August. Okay. 
and it knocked me for a loop. <laughs> sure, yeah, I know it does. And yeah. And uh, our good friend Bob Griswold comes on the show here a lot. I mean, he was down for three weeks. But I want to say this. If you've had it, you've got natural immunity. That's right. So, you know, exactly. listen, I'm, I'm going back to my ninth grade days in biology class where I learned about natural immunity. Did somehow the annals of science get overturned and we burned all those books and said, oh, these guys were wrong. For decades, we taught the wrong thing. There's no such thing is herd immunity or acquired immunity. Is this sound scientific practice now to say that these don't exist? No, it is not. And that's uh, that's where I have a lot of problems with, with all of this. Not to mention our freedom being, you know, our, our right to choose what is done to our bodies and making those medical choices. We've always been able to do that. And as a registered nurse, I've been a nurse for uh, around 14 years, and we've always had we have always had where we can opt out of like flu shot and things like that and given the freedom to do that. And then this is, this has just come in this year with something totally wild and un, unheard of in the practices that are going on and the mandate of the vaccine. And it's, it's not right. It's not right at all. And it doesn't make any sense on a scientific or medical level at all. It certainly doesn't make any sense from the scientific standpoint. Decades of scientific principles totally abandoned. I saw Fauci on CNN, and they said, well, Dr. Fauci, what about people that have had an acquired immunity? He goes, well, we have to look at that. I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You have to look at How about you go back to 1950 and look at it? Right. I, I, I just, I'm, right. I'm baffled on on how this is even getting past the sensors. Um, okay, so they have this mandate. Are there exemptions in your workplace? Um, they do have um, medical as well as religious exemption, um, a process for doing that, which I, I'm, a, I'm upset that I even have to have an exemption. I feel like I should have the right um, to decline this shot. I will call it that. I won't call it a vaccine. Um, you know, I should have that right. I do have that right. Um, but yeah, if you wanted so, to go and get an abortion tomorrow, would you have to get an exemption to get it? No. <laughs> you could just go in and say, I've decided to terminate my pregnancy, my choice, my body, right? Right, but exactly. with the vaccine, it's no longer your body. That's, yeah. It's uh, the just the... Uh, the hypocrisy of it, or I don't know what else to call it. You know, one, it's okay on one thing, but on something else, it's not. And it's been okay for decades, you know? So yeah, it's, um, it's unbelievable. I, I can't believe it. So, so you, you could opt um, out I from the go, flu, right? From the flu vaccine, you don't have to take it. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's been my, my problem with, like I said, for the last yeah. 14 years. I'm going to let you correct me on this because I'm the layman just speaking from the hip, okay? But um, okay. here's my problem with the flu vaccine. Just to give you, I, I went in and I had some pretty severe symptoms, but it wasn't really the flu. Um, I had on I was on the edge of bronchial pneumonia, and the doctor said to me, um, "Have you had the?" Flu? He said, "A smart man like you should have had the flu shot." And he said, "Have you had the flu shot?" And I said, "Well, because I'm a smart man." I haven't had the flu shot. 
And he said, why not? Mm -hmm. I said, because you got less than half a chance of being right for next year. So why should I inject my body with less than a 50-50 chance? He That's didn't, great. He, he didn't yeah. argue with me. You know, am, am, <laughs> I, am I off target or not? The doctor didn't argue with me. Right. No, I, I feel the same way. That's where it was always, you know, the, the flu vaccine never really eradicated or made the flu go away. As viruses do, they mutate. And so every year they base that, from my understanding, the flu shot on the previous years, which means the current year that you're getting vaccinated for, it's not really effective for. So it's just this constant re-vaccine, get vaccine every single year, but it doesn't, you know, so I haven't had one for years, a flu vaccine. Um, and as I've learned more and more about things in the medical field, you know, that's that's kind of where I've stood at. And so I signed a declination declining the flu shot. And that wasn't, we weren't given that option with the, um, the COVID-19. Do they attempt to rationalize this illegal and unconstitutional behavior? Your bosses? They... they you know, um, what I found is a lot of people aren't saying too much about it. They kind of tiptoe around it. Um, I, I personally think that middle management, so my direct manager, um, is stuck in the middle, as is common in big organizations. You know, middle management has to deal with the, the, the crap on the day-to-day, and they don't have much power in a sense of, you know, things are coming down from higher ups, and they just have to implement them and so that's been my experiences I was called in the office and um, my manager had to ask me personally if I had been accepted if my exemption my religious exemption had been accepted or not because there was no communication from those people making those decisions down to my manager so she has to ask each um, person that had their exemption initially declined let me interrupt you for a second isn't that a HIPAA isn't that a HIPAA violation it is it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want that's no. so glaring. It's so illegal. Yeah. Uh, no one has the right to ask you what you've done for medical treatment. It's none of their business. You're right. Yeah. You're I mean, right. stand stand ten feet behind the person in line in front of you because a hippie, you don't have the right to hear anything about their case. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry yeah. I interrupted, but let's go back to what you're saying. So you're called in, and it's interesting here. I just had a aha moment. Indulge me for just a minute. I think the sure. reason that the higher ups did not communicate with middle management is they know what they're doing is illegal and they're passing the buck to middle management. <laughs> Do you think I'm yeah, right? On that, yeah. On that note, um, the initial so my so I put in the process for the religious exemption, which was like a questionnaire that was computer generated with my own private link that I clicked on, and then they asked me questions unfortunately i don't remember the exact questions but it was you know what is you know what is the reason why you're not wanting this um in real regards to your personal belief so i kind of i explained that um and turned that in and i was initially declined my religious exemption then i received an email um and on the deck on the on the paperwork that they send saying that i was um, denied my religious exemption there was no signature from human resources it was no indication of what department it came from. It just had the general um, heading from Common Spirit, which is like the big umbrella company over Dignity Health and over our hospital, which is YRMC. 
So they, they know what no... they did was illegal. They're, they're, you're reinforcing exactly. what I just asked you. Yes, exactly my point. Yep. Yeah. And then I, yeah. I appealed their initial denial of my exemption, um, and it was a very generic letter that, that said that these, there's one of six reasons that, this, that your religious exemption was denied, and then I was sent another link that I could type up a 300-character statement um, to try and appeal it, and then on the appeal, I, I they approved it. Why I don't know. <laughs> oh you know, I, I don't know. There is no, yeah. There's no indication. I have a coworker that him and his wife both are nurses at the hospital. They both filled their exemptions out exactly the same. Their religious exemptions, their statements were exactly the same. She was denied, and he was approved. I've heard this. Yes. So there's, there's no. <laughs> I've heard this. Rhyme or reason. <clears throat> Maybe one crossed the I or put the I in too high and crossed the T too long. I mean, this is just the ultimate of silliness. But uh, yeah. this is so illegal. Have have any of you and your colleagues talked about a lawyer with class action for this Ill illegality? Yeah, there are some things in the work with um, uh, with some doctors involved and, um, you know, co-workers that are you know we're hoping that this will you know we'll be able to move forward with that but it's, it's highly illegal it's not right it's unconstitutional um and it really it really has put a bee in my bonnet <laughs> and I, you know for whatever reason i i feel like god wired me the way that i am for a reason and you know i will speak and and try and stand and and say this is not okay and hope that in hopes that you know we can all stand together and more people will feel like they can stand to and try and fight what's going on. Kelly, did they indicate where you were deficient in your religious appeal? No. They well, they did. They gave like seven, seven very vague reasons. Um, if you at all, from what I under what I was told by a couple of different people was that if you mentioned anything in regards to um, fetal cell. Um, tissue yeah. being used or anything like that, that that's scientific, that's not a religious belief. And so kind of, you know, strongly held belief, how can you say whether mine's valid or not? Who are you to judge what my strongly held belief is? Fetal <laughs> um, cell. God. <laughs> well, I think this would be particularly uh, uh, applicable to Catholics, but I don't think just Catholics. But if fetal cells are involved, that's abortion and, and under church mm -hmm. doctrine that's a sin so therefore right. that's completely valid how dare they do this i mean i don't right now i can see three constitutional issues that are there already mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah um did I, you has anyone challenged these people to hey get the people who run this and are making decisions to sign their names to their decisions you know i don't I know that um, initially I did turn some paperwork in uh, addressed to the CEO of our hospital here in Prescott um, mm -hmm. asking for, you know, because there's also an issue of um, informed consent and there's not really any informed consent. Like that's a basic level thing with medical procedures <coughs> or any kind of intervention is that you're, you're, they're required the medical, you know, whoever is giving you that should give you, consent and explain to you the procedure, explain to you the risks, explain 
all the details of what's going to happen. And there's nothing with this vaccine that's not been tested enough to even be able to give those things to people to make an informed decision. And so that right there is another thing that is being, you know, just totally overlooked is, you know, us having the information we need to make a good decision, the public as well, anyone that's getting the vaccine. You know, I know a lot of the packages just are blank with the vaccine that's in them. There's usually an information sheet and a lot of them are blank. And so there's just, there's no information there. And so then how can you make a good decision? Like when you have, probably when you have your shots, you sign a consent and you're saying, yes, I have my questions all answered and I'm in agreement with this. Um, Let me ask you this question here. I, I think this is an important question. I'm of the opinion from what I've seen, but I can't tell you that I'm 100% right. So what I'm wondering here was they say, well, it's all approved now and everything's validated. And they started this out as experimental. And when I read the order, all I read was an extension of the use of experimental vaccines. I did not see anything that definitively said this research based on this guy at all, this researcher at all, has validated the use of this vaccine for this illness. I mean, is this experimental or not? From the way that I see it, it is still experimental. The one, from what I understand and the research that I've done, the one that's, um, that is approved is not even in existence. You cannot get it anywhere. There's one that's been approved, quote unquote, by the FDA, and it's the com- commonality vaccine of of the Pfizer and that's been approved but when you have that approval and that's given then the liability if there's any adverse um, adverse reactions that becomes a liability for the for you know Pfizer say where if they are still using the emergency use um, the EAU or um, you know excuse if you will um, that that one is not approved and so being under an emergency use, now there's no liability. That's what I understand. So now anyone that has any kind of adverse effect, and I have many, I have many people I know that have, now the companies, the manufacturer is not, a, you know, does not have any liability, nor does the hospital or anyone else have any liability if there's any adverse reactions. And that just is a big red flag. Yeah, that's actually fairly common. I mean, the biggest criminal state for that, for immunity, is in Colorado. Uh, The worst place that we figured out, my sister and I did when my mom got older, was the hospital. Because if they were negligent, and they were on two occasions over several years, we, I saw a lawyer on the second occurrence, and he says, oh, this is terrible, and and it is illegal, but they have complete blanket immunity. Mm. And, And this is something a lot of people don't realize that they can literally be incompetent, negligent, and a lot of these uh, medical practices, uh, they're, they're not held accountable for, no matter what the consequences. Yeah, it's a shame. It makes me sick to my stomach. And that's not, you know, people that are in the medical field or that go into it, you know, doctors have their oaths that they take, nurses do as well. And, you know, we want to help people. We want to sure. uh, advocate. Like, that's a huge thing that 
stuck out to me in my nursing education was you're your patient's advocate and when they cannot speak up you speak up for them and you 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 have certain processes that you do and when you give medications you know there's these rights that they have that you have to go through and make sure it's the right medication and the right patient and the right dose and that you have an order for it and that the patient's willing to take it that's their right to either decline a treatment or to take it and so a lot of this stuff is just being sloughed off and all of a sudden ignored and I can't ignore it so <laughs> well no you shouldn't um, but no it, but I mean it was that was my education and so now it's almost as if they want us to unlearn that fundamental those fundamental things that we that we were taught that were you know sort of branded on us as important and valuable and um, sacred if you will and now they're wanting us to just look the other way and I won't do it I won't do it I'm this is um, so. Let me ask you about the legal case that just is ended up in the Fifth Circuit, where the judge issued a temporary stay for the mandate from Biden. Is that universal for the nation, or is it just for the Fifth District? Have you guys talked about that at all? You know, I haven't. I haven't heard much. I've seen posts about it, but I haven't had many discussions with anyone about it. So I'm unfortunately, I don't. I don't know where it just doesn't seem. I don't know where we lie with it. I mean, um, I don't. I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have um, for the hospital and for for where we're at here um, in Prescott. I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like you know. None of this is really laws. None of this is um, you know. These are you know recommendations. Masks wearing masks and even the vaccine, it's not a law. You know what I mean? And so yeah, for I do. me, but, but they're still acting as though it is. It's almost like if we tell people this long enough, they'll believe us, even though it's not true. And we'll hope we can get as many people to fall in line with this as, as we can. And once we do that, then, you know, we can have all kinds of fun. It, it, it is interesting to me. There's no more, well-educated people, quite obviously, this is a very obvious statement, but doctors and nurses about what's good for the body, about treatments, about research protocols, doctors and nurses get it. I used to teach research and stat at a university, and I've written a couple of courses. I know it well. And I sit here and I have discussions when I go in to get my treatments. I talk to some of these nurses about research, uh, research protocols and what I see wrong with the vaccine trials. And they mm -hmm. completely understand what I'm saying completely mm -hmm. and what I'm saying to you is we're dealing with highly educated people such as yourself who are saying we're not comfortable with this isn't it interesting that the people closest to the issue are the ones who are rejecting it the most can you talk about that mm -hmm. yeah I mean and you would think that that would make people stop and pause <laughs> you know um, but it you know there, there's this um, this deception or this cloud over people, I think, or it's a fear, I guess, of, you know, well, at least I can get this vaccine and everything's going to be okay. Almost even whether they believe it really is or not, that, that that's the hope. And it's such a, um, there's, there's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's foolishness really to think that. And they won't listen, you know, last year, every, everyone's hailing all the medical people in the medical field as heroes. And, you know, thank you for you know, know. putting yourself out there and no vaccine was available then, 
and you know you know they were out there loving on family members and making sure they weren't alone and putting themselves at risk with a lot of the unknowns with with the virus and here we are a year later with the vaccine and now these people are you know zeros you're, you don't know what you're talking about just quit being selfish you're selfish if you won't get the vaccine because it's going to protect everyone and so okay yeah. so i get to ask you the nurse's expert question <laughs> On April 18th of the first year when the virus showed up, Commissioner Hahn of the FDA said, we're in such a hurry to get things going, we're not going to require third-party validation for the PCR test. And I go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. You don't have a test. Well, we'll rely on the word of the companies. Like they're going to spend $10 million in development and say, oh, guess what? It doesn't work after all. And that'll go over real mm -hmm. well with their, with their shareholders. And so I said, you don't have a test. And now uh, we come forward and they're admitting to high false positives and they say they're doing away with the test in January. Can you tell me how in the world are they testing for COVID and the variants if there isn't a valid test? Am I missing something somewhere? No, that's a great, that's a great question. That's exactly where I'm at. That I, I that there's no, I don't have any, trust in that test to know I've had people that were sick as dogs test and they were negative and then their kiddo was in the same house with them with no symptoms and they were positive and you know so I don't trust the test personally um, I I have seen like I like I just explained that there were you know some people that are symptomatic are negative people that aren't symptomatic are positive and yep. then you test them again oh and then they're positive there is no there's there's no comp i mean for me there's no confidence it's, it's kind of just you're checking a box to say that you did something at least we tested them and you know whether you're positive or negative i, I there's no i i don't have i don't hold any value to that test so i was initially when i was working at another um at a surgery center in town and when we went back to work after we closed for the six weeks last year they had us test every week and i was I was so upset and every time I tested I would just sob because I was like I didn't understand why we were testing I wasn't symptomatic so that's already one reason not to exactly. and what test are you giving me there were so many details that I asked would ask questions and I was told you know why are you so scared and it was like I'm not scared I just don't understand so you, I was taught in nursing school to critically think and to ask questions, give me a rationale for why you're doing what you're doing, and they couldn't, and they didn't like that I asked questions, and so I, you know, paid dearly for that, but, you know, it was it was horrible, and then after about three weeks of it, one of the doctors is like, you know, you're creating more liability because we test on a Wednesday. We don't get those results until Friday, and those people are working throughout that time before you even have the test. And so now you say you have a positive and they've worked for two and a half days with patients. And now we have to, you know what I mean? And so they did away with the testing. And so it was just like they were all just trying to do something without any kind of reason behind it. It was very chaotic and um, not planned or not thought through, um, not organized in any fashion. It was really, it was really, it was scary. Um, and I was really upset about it and, you know, I was treated horribly because I asked questions. Well, that's kind of the uh, MO of our society today. Hold on just a second here. We need to take a break, but I'm going to come back and address that, that the fact you ask questions. 
That's not allowed anymore, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking with Kelly Collinsworth, and she's a nurse from Prescott, and we're going through the process of the uh, irrational mandates, and we're trying to make sense out of the senseless, and we're, hopefully we're bringing this into focus for you. But I need to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I, I grow con more concerned every single day I've talked to you a million ways about the food supply. I've talked about the mega drought. I've talked about the lack of seeds. The supply chain is broken. I can go on and on. The meat packing plants are still closed. There's no reason they're not open. Millions of cows have had to been slaughtered. I mean, we're headed for tremendous food shortages right now. We see it in our shopping when we go shopping in the grocery stores. And you need storable food. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you and I'd say I always say this if you don't buy from us buy from somebody because the need is real the problem is is MPS is one of the few companies left standing a lot of them have gone out of business and we're still meeting demand but I'll tell you when hyperinflation catches up and inflation was seven percent last month when hyperinflation catches up the game's over you're not gonna be buying anything and that's why I really encourage people to take care of their needs food water guns gold ammo natural medicine and tools. Why natural medicine? Because getting prescriptions when nothing shipping is going to be kind of tough. You better have your stockpile. But anyway, the storable food, it um, tastes good. It's diverse. It's got a great savings that you can go to preparewithdave.com and find out all, all about it. 25-year shelf life. And I can't tell you from the soul I'm speaking to you from, you are going to need to do this. And I'm going to ask you this. You think the government's going to back the trucks up in an emergency and feed you? This is the same government that left a thousand American citizens behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. Do you want to trust your family's fate to that? I don't think so. So go to preparewithdave.com. Uh, one more thing to we're on this is I have gotten into the satellite phone business because I know that as we start to rise up and we are, we're seeing a red wave sweep across the country. Uh, the school board issue with critical race theory woke up a lot of soccer moms who could have cared less about politics, and now they're getting involved, and the other side is scared. And when they decide they're going to act, they can shut a city down in 20 minutes and seal it off. Your cell phone will be off, your landline will be off, but your sat phone will be on. And the worst thing I can imagine is having family members spread out through the city and you don't know where each other is. That's the main reason to have one. Plus, if you're in areas where your cell phone's not working, your sat phone will as long as you can see the sky. And you're saying, it must be expensive. You know, I pay one quarter of the cost for my sat phone than I do for my cell phone. But it's not for chit-chat. It's for emergencies. And occasionally, I'll send out alerts. We have a Galileo alert system for people that sign up. And people like Steve Quayle, myself, Doug Hagman, Mike Adams, we send out several alerts a day. Say, hey, this is what's up, and it comes to your phone. And that will continue if they shut the system down. I love this system. To find out more about the sat phone, give them a call, 850-980-5830. That's 855-980-5830. And tell them Dave Hodges of the Common Sense sent you. Well, we're talking to Kelly Collinsworth, and we've learned quite a bit, really, from the inside here about the intimidation. The bosses don't like to put their names on things because they know what they're doing is illegal and they're afraid that they're going to be victims of a class action suit. And that came through loud and clear. And Kelly said something that I got in trouble for. I was at the surgery center for daring to ask critical thinking questions. Well, that's America. There's a DHS proviso out right now. And our good friend, Doug Erickson, who just left DHS, called me last week and we did a TV show on this. 
And basically it says if you disagree with the Biden administration, if you ask too many questions, you're a domestic terrorist. And Kelly, I'm afraid that's the mindset of the country today. Shut up, sit down, do what we tell you. I agree. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so you're not allowed to ask questions. And you would think you'd want the doctors and nurses asking questions so they can provide the best possible care for their patients. Yeah. And that's what we, like for me, foundational and nursing school was critical thinking that you have a rationale behind what you do. And actually, even taking a test, like I could challenge my instructor and say, well, this is what I was thinking with this question. And here's where I came up with this answer. And they may or may not change the answer, you know, change the, give me my point for that score, for that question or whatever, based on my rationale. And so that was really foundational in, you know, understanding not just to check a box and answer a question, but really think through and then be able to explain what your thought process was. So, I mean, that's carried throughout my career. When I was an ICU nurse working in the ICU, it was really important to do that. And that's what you really want from your medical providers and nurses and staff to be able to think through these things and, and ask these questions because at times that comes in handy. But like you said, that is not um, what they're wanting nowadays. And, you know, I was um, treated really poorly. And uh, actually my nurse manager at the time said, Maybe you're not cut out to be a nurse right now because you can't just do what you're supposed to do. You you ask too many questions, you know. Were you in the and bounds like, of, wow. uh, let me ask you this, were you in the bounds of uh, the ethics of your profession? Were you within the bounds of uh, the practices of your profession when you were asking questions? Yes, I was. Okay. Absolutely. That, well, that, that comment right there, it borders on hostile work environment. Yeah. Uh, this there's no two ways around it you're doing your job yeah, no. and now you're criticized for doing your job and mm -hmm. i would have said well then what would you have me do shut up and do things without really understanding why that's not what i was taught as a nurse right this yeah is it was very maddening. like for my in my head and i'm like wait this is a, like this has always been hailed as the quality of a good nurse is to ask questions and to gain understanding so that you can understand why you're doing what you're doing and the uh, bottom line is they didn't know why they were doing what they were doing they were just doing whatever they could um and she didn't the manager didn't appreciate me questioning her um and so then i got in her crosshairs about it but you know but i wasn't going to not ask and not wonder um you know we were wearing our masks multiple times again this wasn't at the hospital this was at another um uh, surgery center but we would wear our masks our n95 masks um, up to 10 times and they would process them in um, the sterilization equipment and there was no studies or there was no MSDS sheet which is what, what's required for the chemicals for the use of sterilizing our masks so then what's the long-term effect on my health if I'm breathing in whatever you use to sterilize quote-unquote sterilize my mask that has never been that's never been a standard of care to sterilize masks they've always used to, you use them once and you throw them away and you get a new one you know, I've never heard so, this before. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're required to wear a mask multiple times. And uh, in fact, actually, I'm aware of some research that says that that's uh, counterproductive. And uh, yeah. you're supposed to have one use and gone because of the um, compound effects of what you're breathing into the mask coming back into you. And, and right. then they're, you say they're using sterilization equipment that has not been tested for human ingestion once you put the mask back on is that what you're saying correct so they 
So the, they came up with this idea, and again, this was not at the hospital. This was at a, a small surgery, a surgery center I worked at, that they were sterilizing the masks. I don't recall what they were using, and I asked, I said, is there an MSDS sheet for this? Do we know what the effects are? You know, why are we doing this? I've, in my whole career, we've never done this. And they said, that's what we're doing. No, there's not an MSDS sheet. We're in unprecedented times. Oh, you just need to deal so with it. That's the excuse to take shortcuts and endanger people. We're that's in unprecedented right. times. Right. Oh my god. That's right. Yeah. Oh so my. I would Yeah. So I I had my own ways of dealing with that and I'd sneak my mask home and and air it out and do do my own stuff to it. But um I felt like I was <laughs> like I was a criminal and I had to look over my shoulder because I was concerned about them you know, firing me because I took my N95 mask home instead of leaving it there for them to do whatever they were doing to it, you know? Did you ask um, whose bright idea was to do this untested process? Um, I, she just said, I, I did ask, and she just said, these are unprecedented times and we have to do what we have to do to try and make things as safe. And so we would have to put the N95 mask on, and then over the top of an N95, we put a regular surgical mask so that we wouldn't, you know, if, because I was in the OR at the time, so if any like you know blood oh or things got on the N95, then I I would have to throw it out then, and they couldn't process it. But even still, like they aren't they aren't you know rated to be used multiple times. That's not the intention of them ever. So it was like being in the twilight zone. All these things that they <laughs> they were requiring of us. But let, then let, you know, let me give you an example. Lunch, I walked into the um, outpatient clinic, uh, and I forgot to bring my mask in. I said, oh, crap, I forgot to pick one up. But I have one I've used. It's in the car. No, Dave, you don't want to do that. We've got a mask for you. We don't think you should wear it multiple times. I've already been told this by professionals. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm going back to, of course... It sounds like where I work, you know, where these people work that where I go to, they're professional. They really care. They try to do the best job they can, uh, like you're doing, uh, and they're not inhibited by their middle managers. Um, but they are facing, I think it's a February, I'm not sure, December deadline, I think it is. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they told me they're holding true. Let me ask you percentages. I've been told at Banner the estimate and he said management is lying they're saying 60 percent have had it they said no it's more like 40 percent what what is the rate of vaccine penetration among medical professionals at your hospital uh, as you understand it from my understanding i would say um 50 to 60 percent possibly have been vaccinated that's just a guesstimate um a couple months ago it was from what I understood, 50% were not wanting to get vaccinated, and then the other 50% had already been, you know, either in process or had been vaccinated. So, um, yeah, they were going to – that's what I, that's what I believe happened is they had the mandate set for November 1st for us to be vaccin- fully vaccinated. They gave us the process, and they gave us 10 days to respond to request an exemption, and they were inundated with, with um, exemptions. Um, from what I understand, they received over 700 requests for exemption. Our um, hospital uh, employees, there's 2,200, so they received 700 exemption requests. 
there was about 400 that hadn't been vaccinated, but that did not do an exemption. So 700 plus the 400, that's 1,100. You got 50% of your staff that's not vaccinated. So in light of that, I think they extended the deadline to February. I think that's the reason why. I think there's another reason why too. I talked to a headhunter who brings in nurses and uh, he obviously can't come on my show for very apparent reasons. Um, right. His clientele would dry up if he they knew he was talking to me this way. And he told me, when I asked him the question, I said, so where are the replacements going to come from? Or are they just going to pick up dead bodies on the street because they're not being treated? And he says, oh, no, we're trying. And I said, okay, let's take Banner Health. They're the largest employer in Arizona. And the nurses tell me 60% no. So he said, even if they scare people, maybe 50%, can you replace right. 50% of Banner? And he said, not even close. He said, we can't get to 10%. What's your understanding about replacements? Um, because YRMC was, um, they they were taken over by Dignity Health. So that's like the big umbrella company over our organization now. Um, I know that they have um, had transfers, if you will, from other Dignity Hospitals come up to YRMC. Um, I've heard that they are looking for travelers they've also opened up nursing positions um well actually licensed practicing nurses lpns now ymc historically has never had lpns within the hospital environment but they're trying to pivot and you know do what they can you know um so there's some concerns with that for sure but i think that they're scrambling but right now we're already short staffed as it is as most hospitals are right now anyway so for them to then lose, you know, half of their staff or even 30% of their staff, it's going to hurt them, and they're not going to be able to to stay open. Do you find any? Um, is there any suspicion or evidence that would suggest that when the deadline comes, they might make exemptions and exceptions for, say, an ICU nurse or a specialist doctor, but your general practitioner, your RN, well, they're more expendable, so. We'll deny them, but make sure we hang on to the hard to replace. I could see that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I could see them having to, you know, triage, if you will, the, the, you know, who they'll accept as exemptions and then who they'll have to, you know, decline or retract, you know, because that's my thing is I don't have much hope or confidence that I have an exemption. First of all, I don't know any stipulations that are tied to it. So, what does this exemption mean? How long is it good for? Um, they can revoke it or take it back at any point in time. So there's, you know what I mean? It's not, um, it's not, it doesn't give me any peace. I'm not fooled by it, I guess. Yeah, it's mean. like it's like United Airlines. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we'll give you exemptions, uh, but you can't work with the public. So in other words, you don't have a job. Right. So that's kind of how I see them. They're playing games with this, so they can't be sued for violating your First Amendment religious rights, but they're still violating it. Um, Right. The problem is, is I hate to say this, I was surprised at the Fifth District Court ruling that put a stay on Biden's mandates because I don't trust the judges. Mm. How do you guys, have you guys talked about that? I don't trust... (laughs) I don't really trust our government as a whole. Yeah. There's nothing that has happened over the last year and a half or two years or 
10 years or 15, whatever it feels like it's been forever. But, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence in, in, in what's happening and uh, what has happened. Um, it's, I think there's a lot of fraudulent things going on and there's, and there's no, there's no absolute, like there's no truth. There's no, this, you know, back when I was younger, it seemed like there's right and there was wrong. And that's just been so grayed out that, you know, I just don't see, I don't see an end in sight with it. Um, unless it's really something horrible and big and that could very well be, be coming down the pike too. So I, I, you know, like I said, I don't put much weight in these decisions that are made because it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to be significant or to be making a difference or, you know, changing anything that's happening. Before we go to our last break, I feel compelled to say this, and you may not be in a position where you know, but I know Tom Rents. He's the lawyer for the frontline doctors. Are you familiar with them? I am. And uh, he and I have had on-air discussions. This is not private. This is very public. And uh, he said something I totally agree with since the tests we know are not valid. He said that his doctors are saying that the Delta variant isn't something they can readily measure because you have to sequence it over weeks and it's extremely expensive. And he said they're not testing for this. They're making it up. And he thinks they're making Mm -hmm. up the Delta variant. Uh, Not he, but his doctors think that they're making up the Delta variant to conceal vaccine injury. Is that something you've heard Mm -hmm. at all or anything that you and your colleagues would discuss? Um, I have had some discussion with that, um, specifically the, the Delta variant, quote unquote. And it's my understanding that no, they cannot test for it. So that's just something that they're, they're tight. They're calling, you know, this upsurge of it. Um, and I could see it being to cover up, um, vaccine injury. Like I said, I've had coworkers, you know, they actually one gal, she's a nursing student and she didn't want to get the vaccine, but she felt like she had no choice because she wanted to become a nurse and be able to provide for her family. And she got her first vaccine, and within three days, her heart rate was up in the 160s, and she had these numbing, numbness on the left side and these symptoms. And, um, you know, so here she is trying to do what's best and make a good decision to provide for her family, and still she could potentially have long life, lifelong effects from having this vaccine, which then could affect her ability to be able to provide for her family so there's you're being pushed into a corner and no choice is good in that sense in my opinion and other than walking away other than walking away i know and that's what they would like i'll get to that in a second when we come back ladies and gentlemen here as we step aside for our last break uh, i mentioned hyperinflation a little earlier in our previous commercial announcement and yeah it's going to happen inflation was seven percent in very many areas last month And if you annualize that for certain food prices, gas, and so forth, that's 84% annual. That's hyperinflation. And when that hits, we're going to be really in trouble. And I tell people, don't leave your money in the bank. You need to have operating expenses in the bank. And you need to get into diverse investments. And I went from being an advertiser to a customer four times over with Noble Gold because they have helped bulletproof me. We're all going to take hits with what's coming, but you can minimize the damage by being diverse. And they can help you with that. And they don't push. They'll send you free material. If you say, hey, don't call me. I want to talk about this with my husband. They'll, they won't bug you. They're the best people I've ever dealt with. And if you have assets to protect, you really should call them at 877-646-5347. That's 
646-546-5347. Well, we're talking with um, Kelly, and Kelly is a registered nurse in Prescott at the Yavapai Regional Medical Center. And we've heard really pretty much horror stories, but it's nothing I haven't heard from Tom Rents and frontline doctors and stuff, but the public is still ignorant of it. And that's why I thought it was important that we do a show on this. And it's just like, Kelly, I just, I'm just aghast at how they want to get rid of nurses, but I see it as an overall shortage. And let me give you an example. We're ready to dump 350,000 men and women out of our military. That's almost a quarter of the force. And at a time when we're facing war with China and or Russia, um, we are doing this in other critical areas like airline pilots, uh, trash in New York. The favorite pet in New York right now is the rats because the trash is not being picked up. City workers of all types. It's like the Biden administration deliberately wants to destroy the country by creating the mm. shortages. This is what they want to have happen. Do, do any of the nurses, you know, sound as crazy conspiratorial as Dave Hodges? <laughs> this nurse does. <laughs> <laughs> and I have friends that are along the same lines, you know, varying degrees of, you know, the, of those things. But um, but definitely there's concern of, you know, them wanting to wipe. I, I can see that them wanting to wipe out the medical system as we know it and then put in place of it whatever they so desire whatever that might be so yeah there's definitely talk of that and concern for it it's just absolutely amazing um my gut tells me something new is coming because covid's lost its punch but rather Mm -hmm. than go down that conspiratorial road i'd like to just take you right to the children for example i think Mm -hmm. make mandating children as they are across the country increasingly like in la that a child five to 11 has to have a vaccine, that's child abuse. Um, mm. And, and um, here, here's what I read all the way through. Kids don't get it as much, but when they do get it, they don't really transmit it that much. And unless they have a serious comorbid condition like diabetes or they're grossly overweight, they really have nothing to worry about. They'll just process it like a mild case of the flu. So, and I've, I've read that the vaccine is five times more deadly than COVID for young kids. Uh, mm. Are those numbers matching with what you know? And isn't this counterproductive to mandate this? Yeah, I mean, that's my understanding. And that's, you're going to get some moms upset. That's what's going to happen now. And then it's going to be, you know, go after me is one thing. But when you get, you know, people going after uh, um, mom's children, they get upset about it and they're not okay with that. And I, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, they have, you know, varying age kiddos and they're, they're so sick about it and seeing, you know, their, you know, students, you know, students in their class getting the vaccine and the parents being on, some parents being on board with it and the concern there with all the heart conditions that can happen from the vaccine. And um, there's so many unknowns. It's, it's, it's horrible that, that our, um, that people are okay with putting the kids as a shield, you know, to try and figure out if this is going to be okay or not without having the right, um, you know, studies having been done in the trials like they, sure. they always have done in the past. So, What's happening yeah. in the Prescott schools in relationship to mandatory vaccines and, and uh, masks? Um, the masks um, don't seem to be, that's kind of somewhat gone by the wayside. Um, I personally don't have any children in this in the school district, so I can't really speak to that. But from observation, what I've seen and what I hear from from parents, it's 
you know, I have a, a coworker that's um, got a high schooler um, and then another one that goes to like a, a Catholic school and um, they, the one at the Catholic school has to wear a mask and has the whole year. Um, the high schooler, there's been no issue with him not having been vaccinated and she's not fully vaccinating him, the, the high school. So I think that there's, you know, we have a little bit of leeway here in Prescott, sort of a little bubble that we live in, but um, you know, for how long we'll have that, I don't know. I hope, hope we can have it for a while, but um, you know, it doesn't seem to be as. Kelly, you've got the telltale signs though. In fact, I'm coming to your community this Saturday to speak about this. You've got the telltale signs of massive voter fraud. Uh, I think it's already happened. It's brewing. Yeah. I've talked to, you know, Mona Patton. I want to give her credit for putting us together. And thank you, Mona. But, uh, yeah, thanks, you know, Mona. I talked talk to Mona and many of their acti- activists in Prescott. And I think once they get enough elected people in through hook and crook with these crooked election systems with the voting machines, uh, I yeah. think that you're going to see these mandates coming down hard and fast in every segment. Yeah, I, you're right. That's that's very true. Um, big picture, for sure. You know, um, yeah. we've seen the voter fraud and nothing's been done of that. And again, that's why I'm like, you know, anything that comes down from our government, it, it, I don't trust it. I don't believe it. I don't, you know, I question it because it, you know, there's some shady stuff going on. Lots of shady stuff going on. Well, there's a lot that we don't know why they're doing what they're doing. With the Biden administration, he's hell-bent on destroying America. That's really clear. He attacked energy independence on day one. And he also, wasn't it Biden? I believe I saw this. Uh, Are you going to make masks, uh, or excuse me, vaccines mandatory? No, there's no need to do that. Mm -hmm. And now look at where we're at. Um, How do you view this, though, with the mandatory vaccines? Is this profit-oriented only, or... Because it's certainly not nothing to do with health, because we know that more people with the vaccine are catching COVID the second time uh, and third time than are people who are unvaccinated. So what do you think is the motive behind everyone must get vaccinated? Um, I think it's multifaceted. Um, I think that there's a component of money with it, like, um, you know, if if that becomes something for Medicare reimbursement where you have to have a certain percentage of vaccinated employees at the hospital or your, you know, your reimbursement through Medicare is going to go down, then that's going to push for the hospital to push for more, you know, more of their employees to be vaccinated. And I think that that is a fear that is, you know, of theirs. I don't know all the details of it, but I could guess that that would be something. Um, And, well, you know, I think, so I think that yeah. there is definitely financial, but then I think there's also maybe, you know, I could get, I could get conspiracy theory with you. Dave. Yeah, I, could totally I know, <laughs> but you know what? You can't help it. What they're doing invites conspiracy theories. We're almost yeah, out of right. time and I uh, got a couple of things to say. One, this Saturday, I'll be in the Marina room at the Hasayampa Inn, courtesy of Yavapai Rising. And that's in Prescott. And that's, that's where Kelly is talking to us from. And Kelly, Wanted to say this to you personally. Much respect for you from this end of the microphone. I have so much respect for what you and your fellow nurses are doing, standing up for your rights and saying no. But on that note, my dear, we are totally out of time and we got to scoot. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Take care.